thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Well, guys, listen, we're kicking off a series today that's called Healthy Money. And so I'm going to talk about money. Everybody say money. And all some of you are going to be like, don't you talk about my money. You talk about your money, his money, her money, but not my money. So listen, let's, let, me, let me just, just remove the, all the suspicions. Um, I'm not after your money. I'm not, okay? God is. So let's continue. No, God is not after your money either. He's after your heart because that's why, that's why he died on a cross for us. So listen, so many people, and this is such an important thing because so many of us, even in conversations I have throughout the week and throughout different couples and young couples and even older couples, the issue of finances is an issue. It comes up. And so many of us have, have these, these wrong interactions with it in our own lives. And, and we, we worry, we'll, go, we'll make sure we hit the gym so many times a week, we'll make sure that we eat right. We'll make sure we limit our sodium intake. We'll make sure that we, that we do this and this and this and this. And so all these other aspects of our life, we try to do healthy. We try to be healthy. But our money, we just think it's going to get healthy on its own. And a person who thinks I'm going to get skinny on their own is a person that looks like me. It ain't going to happen without trying. <laughs> and so... We need some biblical principles on how to have healthy money. What does the, what's the word of God say about our finances? Because the truth is God has incredible, listen to me, incredible plans for you and especially for your finances. Do you believe that? He cares a lot. And this series is about giving us a biblical foundation on our finances, which will allow us to become healthy and find freedom and joy. And so what's very important before we get into this, and I'm going to be looking at different aspects of this through the next few weeks. But I, I first today, I wanted to look at what does Jesus say about money. Did you know this? Did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven or hell? That's interesting. He did. Did you know that, that, uh, that he, he was constantly talking about material things in our own lives? And I, this is why I think, I think we spend more time thinking about money. This is why I think he taught about it. Because we spend more time thinking about money than we do thinking about heaven or hell. Got quiet. And just think about it. It's just, it's just the world we live in. We spend much of our time thinking about how to get it, money, how to make it how to save it, how to spend it, how to invest it, how to protect it, how to insure it, and all the other things. It dominates our lives. Would you guys agree with that? that I mean, we think about this, okay? All right. Don't look at me like I'm, I'm talking about some weird subject here. And Jesus had a lot to say about money because I'll tell you why. Because he cares for you and he wants you to walk in freedom and liberation. He doesn't want you to be bound to this world system that is all about stuff. And so God gave us some principles, and so we're going to walk through some of this and look at some of these principles over the next few weeks. And uh, I believe God's going to transform you and change your life. Because the reality is this, God is watching us. He's watching how we handle wealth and 
And he's really seeing how, how we can be trusted and how I can handle other things, not just money. And so when Jesus told parables, he, he laid out a story. A parable is simply this. It is an earthly, an earthly example for a heavenly reality is what it is. And there's all these famous stories of Jesus, and over half the parables that Jesus told deal with material possessions. So there's a lot of material in the Bible, like how to get out of debt, how to stay out of debt, how to control your money instead of your money controlling you. And so I'm going to be looking at Matthew 25, and this is something that's really remarkable about this parable. This was the last parable that Jesus told before he was crucified. It was the last parable. And so in this, I believe it's very, very important. And this is called the parable of the talent. So let's get started and we'll get into this message today. This is in the New King James Version, so it might read a little funny, but I wanted to use it just because of some of the language. So let's begin Matthew 25. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But the one, but, excuse me, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he went, so he who had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you Delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you to be a pretty rough, hard man. He was scared. He was afraid. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, and listen to these words. You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, take it from this man, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. To he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And cast into the unprofitable servant, servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a lot of incredible principles here. But there is a lot of biblical principles here that God wants to speak to us today. I think it's really important. One, first off, many people misunderstand this whole passage because it has the word talent in it. And we think it has to do with giftings or personalities or abilities or spiritual giftings or your heart 
um, things you love to do, but that, that's actually not what this is about. The talent, actually we get the word talent that we use in our English language from this passage in the Bible. But the talent that this is speaking of is specifically about a measure of money. It's about a measure of gold, which I'll share with you in just a moment. So this does have an application to other things in our life, but this is specifically about money. Everybody say money. And so in this chapter, it starts in verse 14. We have the story, and we just heard it. I just want to recap it. Rich businessman, Jesus tells the story of a guy who's very wealthy. And you know that because he gives his servants his money to take care of. He says, I'm going away on a trip, and I'm going to go away for a long time. So you're in charge. One, he has the ability to have servants. Two, he has the ability to give them a lot of money. Two, he has land. And two, he's able to go away on a trip for a long time. This guy is wealthy. So he divides up his wealth, and he, didn't, he wasn't putting them in bank. And in those days, you, you just maintained. You were your own bank. You held your own money. And he got all of his wealth, and he gave it to them. And he says, guys, listen, I expect you to make the most of it. I'm going to give it to you, and I expect you to make the most of what I give you. So he's gone for a long time. Then he comes back home, and he says, okay, what did you make of it? I gave it to you to make the most of it. What did you do with it? And so we, tell, we hear the story. The two guys did two good reports, and one guy has a bad report. And Jesus draws some spiritual truths, though, about this as we get into this. And out of the story, we learn some keys on how to have some healthy money. But before I get into some of these, I want to look at the first key for healthy money is the only way that you can have healthy money in your life is, number one, to recognize what number one is, God owns it all. Say this with me. God owns it all. All of us, we just need to settle this right up front, just right now. God owns everything. It's not my money. It all belongs to God. I think we should write that on our mirrors. It's not my money. It all belongs to God. If you could get this one principle in your life, it would transform you and change you forever. God owns it all. I mean, look, look, even in Matthew 25, 14, even in this passage, it says, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his servants and divided his goods with them. So the very servants don't even belong to themselves. They belong to God. And then God, or this master, gives them his goods. So everything about this passage is about God's possession of their life and God's possession of their money. That is our lives and our money. And the master is giving them money to take care of. And their job is to manage it. But this word, management, or in this particular passage, is mostly about a word called stewardship. It's an old English type, type of word. It's a stewardship. But just because God, here's the other reality. You say, okay, great, God owns it all. But here's, here, I just want to step back and challenge us a little bit. Just because God owns everything doesn't mean that everything is being, the, being used the way that God intended it to be used. Obviously, there's a lot of things in our lives. There's a lot of things in our world that God, though God owns it, it is not being used the way that God intended for it to be used. And we as believers, part of the family of God, we just sang the song that, that, we're, that I am a child of God. Part of being a child of God, we are called to be managers and care, caretakers of everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that God has given us. 
We're called to be stewards or managers or caretakers of our influence, of our health, of our minds, of our relationships, of our opportunities. Everything you have, you are to be a manager and a caretaker of it, not for your good, but for His good. It's, it's a challenging word to Americans. It's all about who? Me. I think a, a sub-point under here that all of us could really resonate with is this reality. Life is not about me. But we are managers of what God has given us. Because even when you hear this whole thing, yeah, yes, but wait a minute, Jason. I earned it. I worked for it. I had the idea. I took the risk. I put a second mortgage on my house to pull that off. I met the people. I networked with the right individual. I created the product. Well, where, where, where do you think you got your physical body to work with in the first place? Where do you think you got your mind? Where'd that come from? How come you had the idea and someone else didn't have the idea? How, how come you have a, a brilliant mind with finances and other people don't? What did you do to make, that, to make your mind smart? Nothing. Where, where do we get our energy to do any work with whatsoever? Where do we get our intelligence? Everything, please hear me today, everything you have in your life is a gift from God to you. You did nothing to achieve it. You, you, you might have... You might have taken some steps, but the reality is what you have today is because God has gifted you with that opportunity. A door could have opened or it could have shut. It just happened to open for you. We don't own anything in our life. Listen, I had the great privilege of being there at the birth of my, of my two children. And when my, when my two children came into the world, do you know what they didn't have? They did not come with a satchel full of money. Unfortunately. They didn't come with some good stock tips. Hey, Dad, just real quick. I know I'm going to cost a little extra for you, so I just wanted to come and bless you. It didn't happen. So we didn't bring anything into the world. And guess, guess what? I've had an incredible privilege of being there at, and at the end of people's lives, at funerals. And nobody takes anything with them. I made the statement one time. I said, listen, you don't see a hearse pulling a U-Haul ever. But the problem was, in between one of the services, someone sent me a picture of a hearse pulling a U-Haul. So forget it. <laughs> so forget it. But the reality is what you have in your life is you only get to use it while you're here. While you're here. It's, it's just within this window. But here, here's, a, here's another alarming Point, and I'm hoping all of this helps us come to the realization, wait a minute, we actually don't own anything. Think about this. Once you die, someone else will have your money. Someone else is going to have it. Might be a relative. Might be the government. I don't know. Might be the IRS, depending on what happened. But somebody else is going to have it. Someone else is going to spend it. Someone else, now here's another, someone else is going to live in your house. 
And they're finally going to paint that ugly wall that you refuse to paint. (laughs) But someone else is going to do it. So you really don't own it. You manage it. It's all under management. The master owns it all. God's the owner, but we're the ones who manage it. This is really important because we can tend to forget about this. And once we forget about it, it changes actually our lifestyle. Do you know what one of the signs is that you've forgotten that everything in your life belongs to God? You know what it's called? It's called worry and anxiety. You think it's all yours. So now you're so busy trying to keep it and maintain it and make sure no one touches it. And, and, and it's, you're, all, you're suspicious about everybody wanting any money. You don't want to give anything to missions. You don't want to give it. It was my money, my money. Well, God gave it to me, 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 me. And then you're freaked out and anxious and you're, you're a grouch to be around. Because you've forgotten everything in your life is a gift to God, from God to you. Every, your salvation was a free gift. The breath in your lungs is a free gift. You wake up in the morning, you're hit with anxiety, and God's saying, I want you to just look to me. I'll take care of everything else in your life. Just look to me. I want you to be my child. This is a gift I've given you. I want to help you walk in the joys of being a manager and a steward of what I've given you. And it's easy to think that what we have belongs to us because we'll have it for a long time. It's in our possession, but it's not ours. The truth is that God owns it all. And this, if we understand this, it can help us live a life of freedom, a life free of anxiety. It can help us live a generous life. It can help us be people that that have an impact and an influence in the world. And it can help us prepare for eternity. Before we get in this, I just want to share some of the reality of the story because I know, I know it helps me to see some of these, what, what was actually given away. And in and, and verse 15, it says this. It says, and the one had five talents, the other had two, the other had one. And so th- we lay out these talents, but I, I just want you to see what, what's he talking about here. A talent was a Roman talent. It's a Roman measurement. And one talent is 71 pounds of gold. That's a lot of money. And so I was thinking today, I, I looked up yesterday or the day before, gold is around $1,200 an ounce. That means if you get a talent of gold, you're about $1.4, $1.5 million. That's not a small investment. If you have two talents, about $2.8, $2.9 million to take care of. If he's given you five talents, he's just given you $6.8 million to take care of. This is not a small amount that God is entrusting us with. And I believe this was, this was purposeful. For God wants you to know you have been given so much. You've been given so much in your life. Think about everything that you've been given. Not just money. But God's made a huge investment into your life. And the first step to having healthy money is to fully embrace that God owns it all. Can we say that together? God owns it all. Number two, to have step of, or principle of having healthy money. Number two, what I have, the realization is that it is on loan from God to me. After the master 
gave them the money, the Bible says, he immediately went on a journey. Why is this important that you would look at this and say, what, what does that have to do with anything? What it means is this. What we have is on loan because he's coming back. It didn't say he moved away to another country. He said he went on a journey. In other words, the master's coming back. He left for a while, but he's returning. And he's loaning everything. Think about it. Everything in your life is on loan. It might be for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, 100 years. I don't know how long. But it's important to see that Jesus, Jesus was able to give these different things to different people because he's coming back. And there's going to be what, what some people call a divine audit. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But another thing that's important for us to understand is this. According to the scripture, according to this, the master was not a socialist. And I'm not making that as a political statement. But the master was not a socialist. Everybody didn't get the same thing. And the story, Jesus says, everybody gets different amounts. Why, why, why does that matter? Well, because it's really obvious that we're, we're not all equally wealthy on this earth. We're not all part of the same economic status. It says one got one talent, the other gets two. Some get five. The point is this. Everybody, though, does get something. God has given you something. And there is no, no talent people in this world. If you're breathing, God's given you a gift. If you're alive, that's a blessing. Everybody gets something in this story. And then they all begin to go out and to use it. Everybody, then they get to go out. They start, they start doing things and working things and, and making deals. So let's read this again out of verse 16 through 18. It says this. Then he who had received the five talents went, traded it with them. He made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. A couple things I just want to point out from the scripture is this. Money is a tool to be used. It's a tool to be used. God gave you money to use it, to put it to work. And I want you to hear this for, for a second. You, we use money and we love people. If you get that reversed and you love money, you will end up using people. You use money, but you love people. People are to be loved. Money is to be used. And a lot of people say, wait a minute, isn't, isn't money the, the, the root of all evil? Actually, that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is neutral. Your money doesn't come with, with an agenda. Your money is neutral. It can be used for good or it can be used for bad. What you have in your hands, whether great or whether small, the reality is it can be used for good or for bad. The same dollar can be used to fund terrorism or the same dollar could be used by churches to spread the gospel and feed the hungry. Same dollar. Same dollar can be used for selfish-centered purposes or you can use it for unselfish purposes. The same dollar. Here's, here's, here's the kicker in all this thing. It's our choice. You can use it to create businesses, to create products that better people's lives. But money is a neutral thing. It's not neither good or bad. It's what you do with it that is either good or bad. 
But in the parable, it says, put your money to work. And the reason why most people, I think, are in debt is because it's really difficult for them to, to understand that, that, that we become a slave to money. We start serving money. God doesn't want us to serve money. There's a quote from, from a pastor named is Craig Rochelle. He says this, we don't serve money. We serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. And the reality is this, money is a wonderful servant, but it is a terrible master. And you know it's a master when it causes stress in your life. It's mastering you. It's controlling you. And God just wants to, wants to give us a, a view. He wants us to come above in the natural world that we live in and see it from his perspective so we can be people of freedom, people of generosity, and that we are no longer controlled by money. Amen. The parable goes on to say that you give the money out to these three servants. One goes out and invests it, put it to work. The other goes out, puts it to work. Third goes out, hides it in the dirt. Here's, here's the point. You get to choose what you do with what God gives you. You're the one that gets to choose what you do with what God gives you. You don't get to choose what you're given. And most of the time, people can spend their whole lives talking about what they weren't given. But according to, according to this parable, the only choice that you get is to choose what you do with what God has given you. And that's the choice for all of us today. Some people are given one talent. Some are given five. Some are given ten. Some some twenty. There's different amounts. But you get to choose what you do with it. You do. You get to choose it. When we get to heaven, one day God's not going to tell us, listen, why weren't you more like, I wish you were more like your brother. I wish you were more like your dad. Or I wish you were more like, no, you're only responsible for the talents that God has given you. And that's between you and God. And one day as we stand before God, I believe we're going to be able to know what we could have accomplished. I think we're going to be able to see what we could have accomplished. You may not agree with me. I, I do not believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, if I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to be judged on that day. But what I am going to be is rewarded for, for the right choices that I made with my finances in my life. The judgment of my life has been taken upon Christ. He has taken that judgment away. But when I step before God, we are going to be audited at the good things we did with our lives. How do, how, how do we invest it? And then our reward in heaven is going to be according to what we did on this earth. So what that means in heaven, there are going to be people in heaven who will have greater rewards than others. This is the kingdom that we live in. And I'm not talking about what we do with just our money. I'm talking about what we do with our time, with your abilities, and all these different things. When you get to heaven, God's never going to compare you to anyone else. He's not, he's not worried about what other people do. He just he wants you to walk in the joy. He wants you to walk in the peace. He wants you to walk in, in what he has provided for you to walk in. And you can't say, but you only gave me one talent. and You gave that guy these many talents. That doesn't matter at that point. It's what did you do with what you were given?
We get to choose with what we do. In other words, our blessing is really on the other side of us making the right choice to follow God. This is this, this walk with Jesus Christ. It's a grace and responsibility. Grace and responsibility. He gives us his all grace. He saves us by his grace. But we have the responsibility to receive his forgiveness for salvation. He gives us the grace of his blessing, but we have a responsibility to walk in the principles that he laid out so that we can receive and reap that blessing. Grace, the responsibility. Same way with our money. Number three, how to have healthy money is this. Number three, I'm to use what God gave me very wisely. God expects me to use what I have. So I think God wants to set some of you free. Like, listen, don't focus on what you don't have. Begin to ask God, what do you want me to do with what I do have? God expects me to use what I have, not to hoard it, not to sit on it, not to hide it, not to bury it, not to deny it. But money is a tool that's meant to be used. It's, it's not meant to be stockpiled. I heard a pastor say one time, he said this, money is like manure. If you spread it around, it helps things grow. If you, uh, if you pile it up, it really starts to stink. God said money is to be used and God expects me out of this out of this passage in parable to invest what he loans to me this third guy that buried it he was cautious he was conservative it was really nothing ventured nothing gained he just sits on it he just, he just takes what his, master, what his master gave him in the first place and this the master gets so upset when I read this I think wow really The master says, you wicked and lazy servant. That just seems a little strong to me. That's not a word. Wicked is not not a word I usually think of when when I think of money management. But what he's saying here is this. This is a serious issue. When I hear of wicked, I, I, when I hear wicked, I think of horrible things. But as I was thinking through this, and the reality is this, because God has given me so much, and I have failed so much in stewarding what God has given me, and I know that. But his grace is sufficient, and my desire is to please him. And the same way with you, when God says, Jason, it's wicked anytime you misuse or abuse the resources that I've given you. Or if you don't use them wisely, or if you use them foolishly, that's wicked. Jason, I put you on this earth to, to, to shape you. I put, he, he put all of us to shape us so we can be trusted with more. And if he can trust you on earth, you will be trusted in heaven with greater responsibilities. And you'll be trusted on earth with greater responsibilities. And the reality is this. Doing nothing is inexcusable. There is always something we can do with what God has given us. That's true with everything. But I, it's, it's God's desire. I want, God wants us to experience the joys of investment, of, of giving. 
He, he knows, I know you're going to be happier as you walk in your purpose, as you walk out in your purpose. And I've got a blessing over here that I'm just waiting for you. I am so delighted. I can't wait till you begin to walk that direction because it's waiting for you. There's a blessing for your finances waiting for you as you, as you, as you initiate my principles. There's a blessing for your time. There's a blessing for your health. There's a blessing for your mind. There's a blessing for your relationships. As you initiate and begin to walk in my biblical principles, his blessings are all there waiting for us. But it's our responsibility to take that step. God wants to give you more talent. He wants to watch you grow in the joys of using it. God has this amazing plan for your finances. He's waiting to bless you, but he's waiting on you to do something with it. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your time. He wants to increase your impact. We believe that God's called every person on this, on this planet to make a difference. I believe it. I believe everyone in this room is called to make a difference. But you can't make a difference until you, until you start doing something. You can't make a difference unless you're different than everybody else. It's about investing into eternal things. And the greatest use of your life, and I believe this with all my heart, the greatest use of your life is to, is to invest that in that which will outlast you, which is the kingdom of God and other people and loving and serving people. This guy, he buried his money. And, he, and as I was reading this, I thought, you know, why do we bury things in our life? As I started thinking about my own life, we bury things because we want to forget about them. We want them to go away. I don't want to face it. I don't, I don't want to deal with the responsibility. And this is what happens with money. And we feel like, man, we're just so upside down. We're so backwards. We're, we're so much in debt. And we just, you know, I, I, I just, I can't even deal with it. And so we just bury it. I believe God wants us to dig some of this up today so that he can bring healing and restoration to this area of our money. But this is why a lot of people, I think, get into a lot of debt. Because you just don't want to think about it. I, I, don't, I don't want to know about how much I'm making. I know I'm going to go into d- deeper debt every month. And it's just, it becomes something we just continue to keep walking out. And I'll just bury my financial problems and just hope they go away. And the credit card gets bigger and interest upon interest. And I believe God wants to bring his blessing on you as we walk out these truths. God wants freedom for your finances. Amen. And I want you to hear that is God's heart. He wants freedom for your finances. But the reality is this. When you hear a parable like this, we will never walk in that blessing by doing nothing. One of the greatest pieces of advice that, that I've heard in my life, and my wife and I were, were praying about some things, praying about taking a step of faith, praying about, and, and I talked to uh, someone who's actually here at the church. His name is Dick Chanda. And I was talking to him and, and sharing him, well, we're praying for this. We're, we're believing in this. And, and you know what he told me? He said, you know, Jason, it's really hard to steer a parked car. Just think about that for a moment. In other words, sometimes you got to get moving. It's really hard to begin to reap the blessings of God in the areas of your life that need them without doing something. God's grace and our responsibility. Some of us just need to start moving. Because he didn't put you on this earth to do nothing. 
He put you on this earth to use your time, to use your energy, to use your money, to use your intellect, your personality, and all those things for the good that God has for you. Our desire is that every person here, as you walk out your calling, you get to know God, you get to find freedom, you get to discover purpose, and you are going to make a difference on this world. My desire is that you would leave here today and realize doing nothing with what God has given you is, is not an option for you. And that changes today. Because I, my desire for you is for you to begin to walk in God's blessing. So the question, what is it that you need to do? That is a step of obedience in any of those areas of your life. Matter of fact, I think God would rather have you try and invest your life in something and have it totally fail than for nothing, than do, do nothing and succeed. Because God wants you to learn to live by faith. God wants you to begin to walk it out. God wants you to begin to have a spark in your life that, you know, this is why I was made. This is what I give with my time and this is what I get to do with my money. This is what I get to do with my effort. And I get to serve the kingdom of God. He, he wants to reignite that spark in many of your lives that you lost it a long time ago. But he's saying, come on, I've got a blessing for you. If you'll just trust me and take a step, I've got something amazing for you. Which leads us to number four, how to have healthy money. I'm not to be controlled by fear, but I'm to act in faith. Many times we have to do the very thing that we fear the most. Because with every talent that you have, there's a corresponding fear to keep you from using that talent. It's true. If you can sing and you have a talent of singing, there's going to be fear that nobody's going to like it. If you make money to tithe and to give it to God, there's going to be a fear that says, you won't, you won't have enough. You won't have enough. Don't do it. If you have a talent in business, the fear will be like, but what if you fail? What if you don't make it? If you have a talent in other areas that, there's, that, that you, needs you to take a step of faith, there's always going to be something that is resisting you, that telling you that's not going to work, that's not going to work, that's not going to work. It's like a, a, a hand in the forehead all the time. Every time you lean into it, it pops you. Fear is the number one thing, I believe it, that keeps us from stepping into what God has for us. Keeps us from blossoming and investing into what your master has given us. In the Bible, there are so many principles. They're not from me. They are from God. God guarantees that if you walk in these principles, as you give to God, as you sow financially, that you're going to be blessed. And the problem is, this is countercultural. Because the exact opposite of what you feel is what, what God sometimes asks you to do. And we live in a culture that says, listen, if, it, if you feel it, it must be right. That's not biblical. So God says, listen, I'm entrusting you with things in your life. I've, I've given you things that I'm just asking you to give to me. And all these areas, particularly in the area of finances, God has peace for you. He has rest for you. He is a sound mind for you when it comes to, to finances. He wants you to worry less. But all of this is found. Those promises of God are found on the other side of obedience. And this is the reality as we even dig down in this whole idea with fear. There are multiple kinds of fear that can hold you back. There's self-doubt. I can never do that. 
You've always had a dream of a business, but you think, I could never do that. I'm not qualified. There's the fear of failure that, you know what, I'm going to fail, and then everyone's going to see me as a failure. How many, how many of you here in school, you, when, when you thought you, you knew the answer, but you weren't totally for sure, and you were going to raise your hand, but you, you didn't raise your hand because you, you were afraid of what? Being what? Wrong. We still have that today. It's the fear of self-doubt. It's, it's the fear that what are other people going to think? And the Bible says this, the fear of man is a trap. If you live by man's praises, you will die by their criticism. The fear of man is a trap. If you worry about what other people think about you for the rest of your life, you're never going to succeed. You must not worry about whatever, what everyone else says. The reality is everybody fails. And God is inviting you through the principles in his word to, instead of living by fear, to begin to make some decisions by faith. Faith and fear. Same definition. Faith, fear says this. What if it's something that hasn't happened does happen? Faith is this. What if something that hasn't happened does happen? Same definition. Different direction of leaning and belief. And God's inviting us to be people of faith. And I'll end with this last one. Again, this is just the, the introduction of this series. But how to have healthy money, number five, is this. If I use it wisely, according to the scriptures, God will give me more. So it's not about what God gives you. It's about what you do with what God gives you. I want you to hear that. It's not about what God gives you. It's about what you do with what God gives you. So here's just a question to you today and all of us. Can God trust you? There's a scripture that says if you are faithful with the little, then God will give you much. Can God trust you? Could God trust you like the master trusted his servants? God knocks on your door this afternoon and drops in your lap $6.8 million worth of cash and says, hey, do something with this. What's your initial thought? Cruise, baby. <laughs> I'm just challenging. Where are we in our kingdom mindset? God drops you $40 million. He would give it to you because he would know you're not going to blow it. And you're going to use it the way that he wants you to use it. Whatever you need in your life, give it to God. That's what's called faith. If you need more time, take some of your time and use it for the Lord. If you need more energy, use your energy for God.
Ask him where you can invest it. If you need more brains, use your intellect for God. God, I'm not very smart, but what I got, I give it to you. I, I'm telling you, all of a sudden things start to click. Like they've never clicked before. I barely passed high school. And I'll just be honest with you, I passed high school because I was a master cheater. I could hardly read. My greatest fears in school is the teacher would call me to read in high school. But I met God. And he said, Jason, will you let me use you? I thought, boy, you, got, you don't have much to work with. And all of a sudden, I started, went to Bible college. I thought, what's a person like me doing at college? I could barely pass high school. I started reading the Word. I started studying. And I started understanding things I could never understood before. All of a sudden, words that were all freaked out and I couldn't pronounce them and when I look at a word I, I just I, I, I don't know what it says all of a sudden started making sense started coming together and I just said God can't you just use me Could you just use the air of my lungs Could you just use my tongue to speak use my voice to sing can you just take what I have and do something with it? And God said, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. God, I don't have much money. But if you want it, it's yours. God, I don't have much time. Matter of fact, I'm deficient in time. But I need to give you some of my time so that you'll bless, bless the rest of it. Can God trust you? I've had to repent from stuff in my life and say, God, I'm so sorry. Lord, I wasn't trusting you then. But I gave my life to Jesus. I'll never forget, 17 years old. Hey, I was saved at five. I grew up, and my, my faith, I, I, I loved God, and I walked with God, but, but I didn't really, really feel the call of God to 17. Senior year in high school. And it was, it was just this, son, I want you. And I said, you can have me. You can have me. My brokenness and all, my mistakes and all. You can have me. And God took somebody that probably sh shouldn't be here today. And somehow, he let me get to teach his word. Uh, I get to preach. I get to see people come to Christ. I get to teach. I get to read his word. I get to, I get to experience him. I, I've traveled around the world. I, I've, I've preached in places I only dreamt, I only read in stories that really special people got to, I got to do all this stuff, not because of me, but because I said, yes, God, use me. What do you have in your life? 
that you sense right now that God's saying, can I have it? Can I have your money? Can you give it to me? Can I have your time? Can I have your career? Can I have your life? And your blessing is just on the other side of your obedience. Let's bow our heads for a moment. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.